The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures. Stamping problems. You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The Hub is a space contemplating Ireland through the community. This created by Carl Sinn. The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. Hello, everybody, from the Trinity Longroom Hub, which is Trinity's Research Institute for the Arts and Humanities. I'm Eve Patton. I'm director of the Trinity Longroom Hub, and I'm very pleased to welcome you all to this special event on justice, poetry, refugees and borders. Last year for World Poetry Day, the Hub was very pleased to host a special series of online poetry presentations uh, from poets with experience of being asylum seekers or refugees or exiles in Ireland. Uh, and this was organized in collaboration with my colleague Jude Lau Fernando from the Center for Post-Conflict Justice in Trinity. Uh, the event was called Window to My World. And that title, Window to My World, we took from one of the poets uh, who read for us on that occasion, and I'm delighted you'll be hearing from her again shortly, Jamalida Rafiq, who wrote a, a really exquisite poem about her experience of uh, the Rohingya refugees and what it was like to come from Bangladesh and the refugee camp to Ireland. Uh, so I'm very pleased that we're able to revisit this topic and catch up with some of the poets who read for us last year. And uh, I know that uh, if this is going to be a tremendous conversation and reading. Uh, we're joined again by uh, Jude Lau Fernando, who's with us, but also by my colleague from the School of English in Trinity, Philip Coleman. And Philip is uh, probably the best critic and reader of contemporary poetry that I know. So I'm absolutely delighted to be able to hand over to you now, Philip, to uh, chair this session. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eve. It's a great honor to be here. And I was delighted to be asked to chair this uh, wonderful um, lunchtime event. So good afternoon, everyone. And you're all very welcome to this roundtable event on justice, poetry, refugees, and borders. Normally, I would say that it is a pleasure to welcome you to a poetry reading, especially a lunchtime poetry reading. But the pleasure I feel in introducing today's event is tempered by the knowledge that each of the poets here today has used poetry as a way to express their individual experiences of loss and trauma as immigrants who have come to Ireland in order to escape unimaginable pain in their countries of origin. Their poems give voice to that pain, but in a way, poetry also creates a space for recovery, for restoration and indeed celebration, where those fleeing injustice may find solace in what the Irish poet Gerald Daw has called the proper word. In a marvelous talk as part of another event here at the Trinity Longroom Hub this week, Dr. Jude Lal Fernando, who has indeed organized today's reading, suggested that peace is not the opposite of war. Rather, he suggested that the opposite of war is creativity. 
Poetry, of course, is one of the for, one of the most important forms of creativity we know. We might say, indeed, that poetry is a human activity that begins by acknowledging the power of the voice, whether it's represented in song or on the page. When the poet speaks or sings their words, they create something that transcends borders, that transcends boundaries. The 19th century American poet Walt Whitman once wrote, justice is not settled by legislators and laws. It is in the soul. It cannot be varied by statues any more than love, pride, the attraction of gravity can. It is immutable. It does not depend on majorities, majorities or whatnot come at last before the same passionless and exact tribunal. In these lines, Walt Whitman reminds us that poets are often the best speakers for justice and truth. And this is something that occurred to me as I listened to the poets who read as part of the Window to My World event that was also hosted by the Trinity Longroom Hub last year, and which of course we are following up on um, in this event today. So it is, it is truly a great honor to welcome back um, three of the poets who participated in, in last year's event. Um, and they're going to read for us today and talk about their work. Um, I'm going to introduce them now individually in the order in which they will be reading their poems shortly. First of all, today, we're going to hear from Neo Gilson. Um, Neo was born in Kimberley, South Africa, and currently lives in Ireland. She is a poet, singer, writer, storyteller, and motivational speaker. She released a gospel audio CD titled Behind the Veil in May 2013, which has received airplay um, on various radio stations in South Africa. She's a member of Poetry Africa and Samro in South Africa, a member of Women in Library in Glasgow, and also is involved in many community um, initiatives throughout Ireland. In 2020, Neil wrote a poem for the Love and Charity production uh, in Ireland entitled Women on Women. She is passionate about empowerment projects for women, and she has also been part of the Breast Cancer Awareness Campaign. The second poet we'll hear from today, again, will be known to many of you who attended last year's event, is Jamalida Rafiq. Jamalida was born in Kutupalong refugee camp, Bangladesh, in 2008. She was resettled along with her parents in Ireland when she was just eight months old. She is currently in her second year of secondary school at St. Leo's College in Carlo. And I thank her teachers uh, for, and her parents for giving her permission uh, to take time off from school to attend today's event. Jamalida has visited the refugee camp where she was born and witnessed how hundreds of thousands of Rohingya children fled to Bangladesh during the mass exodus of 2017. She has met and indeed sent a letter to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees on the importance of education for Rohingya children. She continues to speak on behalf of those refugee children who have been denied their right to education. And again, we're very grateful to her parents and, and her teachers for giving her permission to take time out to join us today. And the third poet we will hear from this afternoon is Thiru Kumaran Thiru Kelvan, or Thiru. Thiru is an Elam Tamil poet, lyricist, writer, journalist, 
environmentalist, and the author of four anthologies of poems. He was a victim of torture by the Sri Lankan security forces during the last phase of the war in that country. And he was in direct provision in Ireland for four years until he was granted refugee status in 2014. He's now an Irish citizen. Thiru is a graduate of Jaffna University in Sri Lanka. His poetry has been included in syllabi in programs on Tamil literature in three universities in the southern states of India. And they have also been translated into English, German, Irish, Sinhala, and other languages. His books have been launched and featured in festivals around the world. So it really is a great honor um, for me to welcome our three poets to today's reading. And I will now ask them to begin uh, by, by reading a poem each, just so that we can begin to get things uh, in motion. And first I will ask Neo if she would uh, read. Thank you so much for the um, Trinity Long Room Hub and the, the Trinity Center for Post-Conflict Justice and for, for having us uh, recite our poems. The poem that I'm going to do is called Untold Truth. It is um, a lamentation of someone that has been through immigration. And yeah, it is a, a lamentation of, of the situation back home. Untold truth. The moon testifies untold truth when beaming faces were painted on the moon. When love that covers all could be traced in the bloodline of the sons of Nubia as greed stripped their virtues, causing enmity between the sun-baked sons of thunder. I remember, I remember their days of glory, their souls dubbed in oil, sprinkled by gold dust, adorned by diamonds. Names written in blood, crying from the soil, caused the heavens to close their home. Farmers reap the wind. The gaping dry parched land had no answer. Deepest truth sought inwards. I say a prayer that never dies, looked into crushed roots in the ground. My voice returned in broken stem. Will the dividing walls of iniquity bow to oneness? Could we, could we return to the ancient pathways of love when nothing fuels malice? Could we draw from the wells of peace? Could the sons of Nubia, who are scattered abroad like auburn autumn leaves, return to the wells of love? Thank you. Thank you very much, Neo. And now we will hear a poem by Jamalida Rafiq. Thank you, Professor Philip and Professor Jude for this wonderful chance to participate in this event. I'm grateful to Trinity College Dublin for hosting this poetry section too, and to everyone who has joined. I'm going to recite my poem, uh, A Window to My World. This is dedicated to every child who is deprived of education. In the darkness lies a soul, suffocating as a whole. 
In the darkness lies a heart with loved ones being torn apart. In the darkness lies a child with no world to reconcile, with no light to ignite, with no window to sight. The colorful world through magical words. They say magic falls out when you open a book, yet they create nightmares and horrors to look. They say books are like a home, yet they deny, they destroy the place I call home. They say education is future, yet they deny my future. They say a book is a window to the world, yet they deny a window to my world. They say you are the window to the world, yet they hide me from my world. A, a child's future is not a toy, but a book, a window to the world to breathe and look. A refugee's, a refugee's child's dream is to travel through books to be acceptable, not to be confined in a windowless refugee shed. In the darkness, hopelessness, life sees its dead. The ability to read is a child's greatest joy. The book is a child's true toy. The, the book that opens the window to the world, the book that allows light to enter from the magical words, the book that finds the lost soul, the book that the child makes whole. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jamalida. And the third poet we will now hear from is Thiru Kumaran, Thiru Kelvin, or Thiru. Thank you, Thiru. Thank you. Uh, thank you, um, Philip, and thank you, Jude, and thank you, Trinity Help, uh, for inviting me for this wonderful event. And uh, thank you also, thank you for the translator who has translated my poem, is Kukadarshi. And um, just for the start, I'm reading this poem. This, uh, absolute situation because in Tamil, it's one of the ancient language, you know, it's very hard to translate from Tamil to English uh, because uh, we learned English after I came Ireland. Uh, so, uh, you know, like uh, it's very rhythmic, grammatical. I'm a very classical poet. Uh, so it's very hard to bring even 40 percentage of, of the original soul because, you know, like if you take Eskimo was like uh, they have 21 stages in the you know, 21 names for every stage is snow. So if we translate their, you know, poems, we can only translate snow. So they have different names for every stage. So that's how my poems are really struggling, but uh, uh, she did a great job. And I'm just training for the starters. Uh, this is a, a real, uh, this is kind of courage and, uh, you know, like for everyone who's came, came across through the freedom struggle. Uh, firefly in hand, firefly in hand, dark, dense forest, firefly in hand, dark, dense forest, directions are unknown, directions are unknown, will achieve the goal one day, directions are unknown, will achieve the goal one day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thiru. That's, re that's really wonderful. Um, so at this point, I would just like to maybe have a, um, a conversation with um, our three poets. And perhaps, Thiru, I could uh, just, first of all, ask you if it might be possible to give everybody a sense, just a sense, a brief sense of how uh, that poem sounds in the in 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 the original language. Just to even even if we can't understand it, uh, we might hear the music of the language. 
if you might share that with us, that would be nice, I think. Yeah. Firefly in hand, Kail Minmini, dark, dense forest, Kandaria, Adar Irutkadi, directions are unknown. Pohumadam in Namthali will We'll achieve the goal one day. Wow, it's, 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 it's wonderful. As somebody interested in poetry, the sense of rhythm is so clear, even though I don't understand the words themselves. But of course, your translator has done such a, an, an excellent and an important job of, you know, um, bringing them to us in English. So I wonder if I could ask um, everybody, perhaps beginning with, with Neo and then Jamalida may respond and we'll come back to you, Thiru. Uh, if you could maybe just say a little bit about um, when you first started to write poems or to, indeed, if maybe you didn't write them, maybe you kind of composed them in your mind as as song. So maybe beginning with Neo, if you tell us a little bit about how you started to become interested in poetry and uh, uh, begin to appreciate it, its possibilities. I always love poetry. Um, since since my school days, mm -hmm. and I I also love reading. However, the inspiration to to begin to write poetry came by accident. It it came unexpected um, because uh, I was grieving my cousin. We were we were quite close, mm -hmm. and I. Could not at the time I could not um, I could not process um, the loss and I could not cry. So the only way in which I could I could articulate um, the, the 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 anger, uh, the frustration that I was that I was feeling at the time that I won't be seeing her again was through pen and paper. So mm -hmm. I started to to write then. And I shared it with, with my aunt, and she asked me to to do the reading at the as part of the tribute at the at the funeral, mm -hmm. and uh, I was encouraged from there on to to do more writing, mm -hmm. and um, then I started participating in in my in my home country. Um, my my music teacher invited me to to do to recite a, a poet. At, at the um, Writers' Festival. Uh, it, it was the Salt Lake University Writers' Festival with the Departments of Arts and Culture in South Africa, Kimberley. Mm -hmm. And from there on, other doors, and I progressed to, to, to find out more about, about the genre. That, that's thank you very much for sharing that with us, Neo. Um, I think it's it's such a, an, a, a you know such an interesting affirmation of the power of poetry um, at a time of of personal crisis. And I think it's interesting too um, in your account there that you know the poetry the poems came initially as a kind of personal response, but then they developed over time into something which could be shared with others in the first instance, your family, and then, of course, with your wider community, and of course, with us today. Um, and Neo has also talked about the importance of that early encouragement by a teacher. And 
uh, Jamalida, in your poem, which you read earlier, um, you talked about you know, the importance of education. And, um, you, you know, your poem is in many ways a kind of a celebration of education, but at the same time, it is born out of a, a very, very difficult experience. And I wonder if you could tell us about your first discovery of the power of poetry that, that Neo has also um, mentioned. Firstly, thinking about millions of children around the world who lost homes and loved ones to conflicts, uh, I can never repay the compassion shown by the Irish community and the resilience of my Iranga parents. I have a freedom that every child should have. I have an Irish citizenship. I have a home. I have school to go to. I have friends to talk to. I have an opportunity to reach my dreams. I have not been forgotten like millions of children. I am now in my second year at St. Louis College. And to be honest, uh, I never liked the subject English in primary school at all. But at St. Louis College, I, I am still lucky to have had Mr. Sean Woods as my English teacher, who portrayed poetry more than to be short sentences and rhymes. And it also um, clicked after is it made sense uh, in a way to understand the language beautifully it's like uh, I enjoy art a lot so it was almost like a sense of using the words as paint and then the page is your canvas and then um, also it also made sense to me to translate my feelings and thoughts into words and I started writing poems four years ago like at lockdown uh, since we had a lot of time and now I I first went when I first started it was a few lines to long ones and now I enjoy writing them I find a purpose in writing poems uh, I connect to many lives many worlds I love traveling through poetry I travel the world without taking a step and now I'm joined with um, beautiful and uh, wonderful people here That's 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 really uh, you know really interesting, um, Jamalida. Do you paint also? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 So obviously interested in the arts and in creativity. Um, that's really really fascinating. Um, I think this idea of words as paint um, is is really and your poems have that kind of visual uh, quality as well, which I think you know speaks to that. Um, Thiru, um, you you also. Um, I know that you've worked um, in education, but for you, is there a, a kind of a, um, a separation between your work as a critic, your work as a journalist or scholar and the work you do as a poet? Um, yeah, uh, because I'm um, um, like um, started uh, poetry in my school days mm. because we born and brought up uh, in the shells and shootings and bombs and yeah. Kind of most of the days we live in the bungas than houses. Mm. So um, from my childhood, still I remember like uh, if any visitors, you know, like friends or visitors or whoever coming, uh, they asking, you know, they never bother about house, beautiful house or not. They asking, how is your bunga? Mm -hmm. Is that comfortable? Mm -hmm. Or uh, you know, like uh, first of first <laughs> visit ever talking about the bungas, is it very safe or not? So that's how we grown up and, and our, you know, like poetry is our resistance. Like uh, if we, you know, like everywhere they, they suppress our language, suppressed our rights and everything they decide. 
So the poetry is a very, a very, you know, like a good weapon. Like you can't speak openly. So symbolic, you know, very in symbolic way, you have to express yourself and you have to tell your generation, future generation, uh, through the, you know, through words or through sky, you know, many, many symbolic ways. You have to tell them and you have to educate them. Uh, not in, a, you know, you can't speak in the stages or you can't give the political stage, political speech in the stages. So the poets and, you know, like you can sing the song. Tamil is a, like a very sing, a kind of very musical language. So most of the people, when you write, I'm a lyricist also. When I, you know, like when we wrote a poem, like everyone singing and uh, youngsters are come together and think about the freedom. And like from school days, I'm started. And you know, like uh, then every 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 even journalist time or until still, without poetry, I'm not here because it's psychological. Psychologically, it's helping me a lot uh, more than a medicine because I came across a torture prison, and I never ever expect that I'm going to come out from the torture prison because if anyone abducted by the white bear, that's it. Uh, there is no. A single evidence that people are coming back after the abduction. So it's like, uh, it's like, I can't express, like, it's a very, very cruel, like, uh, thousands of people were killed and everything. I never expect that I'm going to come back. Uh, uh, so uh, finally I came. <laughs> Anyhow, luckily I came and, you know, again, another prisoner, then seven years of life. These seven years of life, like, you know, like uh, separate, isolated life. Without poetry, like when I get pressure, when I feel to quit my life, uh, every time I wrote, uh, every time I wrote, and uh, that's the only medicine I have in my hand to save myself. Mm -hmm. So that's what uh, my poetry are very powerful because, and I learned like write in a very rhythmical way and grammatical mm -hmm. way. So, uh, in my view, like uh, the poet is like a part of my life. Mm -hmm. It's my not more than my passion part of my life, and 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 this is the poem is working uh, with me in every every single stages. Yeah, that's 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 all so powerful and and so well articulated, Thiru, and is so interesting. Um, and I I I wonder if um, if we could. Um, I think is Neo still here, or has she? Yeah, she is. Um, I'm just wondering um, when you know if. If, if you could each say something about the process now of, of writing, because I imagine that, you know, memory obviously plays a, a very important, um, important part in this um, for you. And I suppose sometimes trying to give shape to very difficult experiences as Thiru has just uh, described. Um, but I wonder if, if, if everybody could briefly say something about the process of writing itself. Um, does it happen in your you know in your minds as your you know lines might come to you and kind of rhymes perhaps or is it something that requires you know a, a concentrated effort sitting at a desk i'm just wondering how how the process is for each of you yeah like uh, for me it's like uh, like uh, when i'm decided to write something like it will take some time one week or two weeks or maybe mm -hmm. a month of course of course to create in my mind. Then suddenly midnight or in the morning or first, you know, like for me, it's a first word is a very important word. Yeah. The first time. 
I'm just, maybe I'm waiting first line, you know, maybe two weeks, three weeks. When I write first line, that's it. Then okay. for me, it's then I will finish it all. Yeah. I'm waiting for first line is, you know, because mind is, you know, like creating things and coordinating everything, all nostalgic things. And, you know, the in Tamil is a, it's a huge language. So I'm thinking yeah. for Tamil language. And it's in Tamil first. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. yeah that's it's more than 5,000 years old. Yes. So, <laughs> and what about what about you, um, Jamalida? What if I mean, because I know that you've been writing more poems, and you're going, you're everybody will read more work um, for us shortly. But could you say something, Jamalida, about you know your process, how you set about putting these um, these uh, words down as paint, as it were? Uh, personally, you know, um, it's with uh, daily life. If I yeah. go to school, if I go to school, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we, I have a copybook, for example, mm-hmm. and then I uh, say I look at the copybook and I say, what purpose does this copybook have for me? Mm-hmm. I get to write down everything, and when uh, exam time comes, I can look over my notes. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that so many children back in the camps, uh, it made me think twice how I should be thankful for everything I have, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a copybook for them is everything. And for me, I could just buy one today, uh, get rid of one, and um, privilege we have. And then also, I agree, uh, once you have one sentence, I think you could go on from there. Yeah. And then it just builds it up like a story would. Yeah. No, this, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's so important that we, rem- that we you know, acknowledge um, the small things. As you say, the things that might, we might think are kind of uh, obvious, like the copybook or the pencil, you know, whatever it might be. But it's important um, to remember that there are many people in the world for whom these things are uh, beyond reach, for sure. Um, and Neil, um, would you like to um, say a little bit about your process and how the poems come into being for you? Yes, uh, my creative process um, uh, varies. Uh, sometimes it's through uh, loved experience. Mm. Sometimes it, it could be the inspiration could be triggered by something which I saw, which I which I see, uh, and something that I read that I perceive. So um, it would start about like a word upon upon word, precept upon precept, line upon line. And sometimes I would just need to leave leave that uh, um, as a rough draft and come back and reverse it and rewrite. So some others are just short pieces, which I can just write at one go and just leave it like that. And then I, I never touch it again. So it, it, it depends. Yeah. Every poem has its own kind of identity, as it were. And once it's once you've finished it, it exists and you can can leave it have its own life. Very, very interesting. Okay, so I might at this point ask um, each of our yes. um, poets if they would be willing to read um, some more work and uh, then we will perhaps come back to the question at the center of today's event, which has to do with justice um, and and so on. So if I could begin again with you, Neo, if you would um, read us another piece, then I will ask Jamalida and Thiru in that order. I think I, I lost connection for a bit there. Um, is it okay to answer yeah. the question? Yeah. Yes, right. please, and please go ahead, yeah. 
Yes, um, the, the, the question as to how poetry relates to politics and justice. Uh, John F. Kennedy notably says that um, if more politicians knew poetry and more poets knew politics, I'm convinced the world would be a little bit better place to live in. So um, those quote. So um, taking that um, quote, um, one can see that uh, there is a, a relationship, the interconnectedness of, of poetry and, and politics or social justice. Um, poetry plays a catalyst, catalytic role in politics and justice. It is used as a powerful medium of expression that evokes um, the reader's mind uh, to empathize, to connect, to respond to current situation. And I would say additionally, poetry relation to politics and justice creates an opportunity for meaningful dialogue uh, and influences reformation. This I've observed through the impact of protest poetry in challenging the status quo. And uh, coming from South Africa, where you know um, there was se segregation, and even now um, race relations are, are, are um, quite turbulent, um, I can say that uh, the poetic voice it's it's a it's, it's a represent a representation for 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 the people at at grassroots level. So a uh, poetry it's, it's it's very very uh, a powerful uh, tool. And um, myself, I have used um, poetry, especially like a free verse style, where I would employ um, strong and compelling metaphors and simile in a combination of satirical and aspirational and sometimes po or protest poetry. So uh, poetry can, can, can really evoke the, the emotions of the reader to really participate in meaningfully in what is happening currently in, in, in their countries or in their lives or in relationally even to, to their loved ones. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neo, for these, these comments. They're so important and they touch on such significant questions about the relationship between poetry and politics, poetry and the world, the public sphere. Um, maybe I could just ask you, Neo, um, about how your work is, is circulated, you know, um, in books, in magazines, in public readings. I think events like this are so important also, aren't they, for um, bringing poetry to bigger right. um, audiences. I, I, I am working on, on compiling a manuscript and, mm -hmm. and, and I, am, I am lucky to be, to be an artist in residence um, and I'm doing a literature um, a fellowship with, with Blade Forward and I'm doing uh, with another residence with Radical uh, Institute and Sample Studio in conjunction with Kokadoka for, for script writing. So um, these residencies, it's mentoring me to, to, to develop a pieces um, that would probably either become through either um, anthology or, um, or a, a piece of play. So in the future, that's, that's the direction in which I'll be going. However, I've participated in, in, in um, 
a lot of uh, collaborative uh, poetry events and, and, and events online and also like in person. And I've, I've done uh, about three uh, podcasts. One was for uh, Trafica uh, Radio, which is uh, Trafica Europe. It's a literature radio and, and two other radio stations. So um, yes, one day I, I am... I am hoping to 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 put down an anthology or or, or something um, author author something. Thanks. We look forward to that very much, Neo, and we will hear um, more of your work shortly. But perhaps I should go back now and and just ask also Jamalida um, um, for your thoughts on on this um, question, which Neo has has addressed about you know the relationship between poetry and justice as you perceive it. Um, these are these are um, very difficult questions, but I think your work does speak to them very eloquently and powerfully. Uh, I believe poetry is a powerful tool to amplify emotions, feelings, thoughts, and traditions. It gives a new breath of life. Poetry never gets old. It unlocks treasures and of immeasurable time and space. Poetry can build lasting bonds, bringing communities and individuals together. When all hope is lost, poetry plays a part to revive hope and faith. In 2017 and 18, I visited the world's biggest refugee camp in Bangladesh. It was the camp where I was born and lived for eight months before I resettled in Ireland. I have met and seen the resilience of Ranga refugees who have lost everything except hope. I have seen Ranga children with no clothes, no shoes, no books, no school, no hope. Now Bangladesh bans all home-based schools for Rohingya children, despite the country showing compassion and, showing, and sheltering a million Rohingya. Almost every week I witness my parents crying at home in Carlo because they cannot help the helpless Rohingya refugees. And also their parents and siblings are still trapped in the refugee camps since 1992. It is now 30 years without a place to call home, opportunities or freedom. A day is too long for a child to live in inhumane conditions, let alone growing up, getting married and dying in those conditions. I believe the world leaders have failed. I believe leaders should live a day as a refugee. I believe politicians have so much power to transform lives that, and impact hope. I believe leaders are wasting chances to bring change and they will be accountable in the eyes of people and the creator. As a lucky Rohingya girl, I carry a sense of guilt for not being able to do anything for the Rohingya children I have met and those who have not met. And I, I also feel that I have a responsibility to use my voice for them and to pursue education and human rights law for them, for, for their human rights and justice. As the famous quote goes, justice delayed is justice denied. A day lost in injustice is too long for a child. I believe poetry has a power to awaken people for justice and solidarity. Thank you so much, Jamalida. And um, I think I would speak for many people, if not everybody in today's audience, uh, when I say that you, you, know, you should not feel this sense of guilt about not being able to do anything because even through your poems, you're doing so much um, to speak for those children and and those people in in these you know terrible um, situations, your your po poems are 
really powerful um, words of support also for, for them. And, um, you know, we're all very grateful to you for, for that. Um, and um, Thiru, on, on this question, if I may just turn to you before I ask each of our poets to read another piece, um, on this question about the relationship, I suppose, between poetry and justice, um, poetry and politics. Um, I'm sure this is something about which you've thought a great deal as well. Yeah, uh, because um, like if you take uh, most of the people nowadays, like uh, uh, the poetry uh, is the, uh, you know, in our, from our school days to still the poetry is the, uh, many poets uh, were killed by Sri Lankan government, uh, journalists, and at the same time, they are poets also, because they are, you know, they are raising their voices uh, for the people. Uh, and uh, that's the only, you know, like, uh, if, you, if you can't talk publicly, or like, frankly, in the medias, the poem is the only weapon that we had uh, those days to express our, you know, the basic rights and everything and tell the world through the polite way, like uh, uh, how we are struggling. But uh, in the world also, very different media is also focusing as very different nowadays, if you see the grain, like they are all medias, English media is focusing, like all childs and elders are carrying weapons to save themselves. And they are engaging in indirectly, but the same thing we faced in Sri Lanka, uh, childs and elders were killed brutally killed by this world, same world, by Jew and everyone. But they said accusing uh, the people who saved their lives, like you know the kids and all elders. Uh, they said if you save your life in Sri Lanka, they said like in four Tamils, they said you are terrorist. Here is like all media is creating everything. So this is, you know, the uh, those days like you know. The poetry is the only weapon, you know, for us to tell the world how you are uh, differentiate people. Like if you if you see the world, like indigenous people, like why someone asked me why if you are the same, like if you rule the world, if there are any two countries in Sri Lanka, why Sinhalese is seventy uh, percent, why Tamils is thirty percent. Uh, I ask, wherever you go in the world, indigenous are very less nowadays. Like in Australia, America, wherever they are the origin of this country, they are less because other people came and, you know, occupied your land and they said whatever they say. So, because power is only speaking. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> not just that's in, that, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, I mean, it's very interesting, you know, when you say that power is only speaking, but poetry is singing. Yeah. And poetry is an elevated form of, you know, ability to, to use the voice. And, um, you know, so, somebody once said that literature is news that stays news. That's what and, I feel like time will sing our song one day. Yes, yes. yes. So I'm really, um, really grateful to, to our three uh, poets for talking so openly and so eloquently about their process and about their experience and about their views on the relationship between poetry and justice. And at this point, I would be very grateful if they would again read us um, a piece each and uh, then I will um, open to some questions from our audience. And while our poets are reading, if people would like to quickly put questions in, in the chat, I'd be happy to draw from those. So if I could begin again with Neo, 
Neo, if you would um, please uh, read a piece for us. Thank you. All right. Um, this poem, uh, I was working in the park in beautiful island. I reside in Cork. Um, and um, I was just inspired to write this, this short piece. It's called Fanciful Flight. Fanciful Flight, it's mild and musty. Morning that nourishes my heart. A walk in the park, clouds hanging in there for golden seconds. My eyes carry the effects of beauty. It's a peacock butterfly. A flutter with a majestic wings, charming hooves capture my heart. Oh, morning that nourishes my heart. We should linger longer. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neo. Um, I've spent some time in Cork myself and I can imagine the People's Park there in the city and that's be really beautiful images in that poem. Thank you for sharing them with us. Um, Jamalita, would you be able to now uh, read us another of your uh, poems, please? Uh, the next poem is a vision I had for Rohingya in every community. The vision of our, the vision of people for our Rohingya community in every community in Burma, which is destroyed by the military and hatred of people. Uh, this poem is called A Vision Far From Home. Despite oceans and continents apart, I'm paralyzed with fear and hatred in part. Despite born and belong to Burma, I'm forced to suffer the trauma. Despite blinded by religious and racial venom, I have a vision far from home. As a young Rohingya girl, I, for my parents, I am a pearl. Born without a shell as a home, nor sight of light, love, or hope. Resiliently, I transform into the gem, which the devil tries to destroy with a gun. Hate is used to instill fear. Fear is used to divide is clear. The division that leads to suppress other, the suppression that smothers. A generation is lost to a man-made cancer. And how, how deep and far it spreads, I ponder. I, I was born in a long lost Rohingya generation. I have seen the abomination. I have witnessed the lack of inhumanity. I ex experienced the remnants of humanity. I have revisited the trauma again and again and again. I have a vision for life to regain. Love thy neighbor, no, heart to, no hate to harbor. Embrace difference, reject intolerance, respect others, never become ignorant. Life is a treasure. You are your own author. Your vision amidst the darkness stands. Your destiny is your homeland. Where family arises from the ashes of lifelessness into the, into the tree of love and hopefulness. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jamalita. That's such an inspiring image of uh, the tree of love and hopefulness in, in your poem. And you really do show us that the personal, the deeply personal is also political. <laughs> And, and thank you for that. And Thiru, could you now perhaps read um, another of your poems for us? Yeah. It's a story uh, of mine to the poetry. Bird that besought the prison. In a silent, deep and rainy night, hunters reached a warm 
little nest, captured that bird with no affright. Captured that bird with no affright, carried away hastily from the rest. Every quill, every nail, tormenting. Of course, it was an awful hell. Enjoyed, savored, pinioning, expert connoisseurs. Remind a strike, denying death or farewell. Ruminating memories of its chick and the spouse. Badly bruised, half dead. Somehow it fled crossing the neighboring sea. As days rolled by, torture became habitual, naturally. Those the bird got customized to it gradually. Thoughts of its spouse, chick, and reunion were the soothing balm for its agonizing source. Passing continents, mountains, and seas. Blessing destined to be caged bird. See, knowing the art of destruction sans torture, showing efficiency, the white man enforcer, loneliness and cold shattered its soul fiercely. Timeless protection accompanied so harshly. Then opened the cage. They let the bird free suddenly. Then opened the cage. They let the bird free suddenly. When almost forgotten, flying and fluttering completely. Hence, uh, it came out and the world looked so different. Neither it knew how to live nor to survive. So innocent. However, when pronounced to its spouse forever, life would be joyous, filled with laughter. I would resurrect, surpassing all. You will see hereafter. With a thousand desires, dreams, and hopes. Then the bird realized that it was too late. With a thousand desires, dreams, and hopes, then the bird realized that it was too late. Besought the imprisonment back to the cage. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thiru, for again sharing your work with us, which is, you know, so so richly imagined, and at the same at the same time, uh, so deeply committed um, to to your ex your experience 
and to the to the um, importance of justice. Um, I want to just uh, acknowledge also your translator and uh, Gugatarsani Rajivan, I think, um, translated that poem. And the work of translators in this um, process is also so important. So um, we have another few minutes and I just want to um, ask a few questions that have come in in the chat. Quite a few questions have come in. Um, here's a very quick one for each of you. I wonder if people could answer this maybe even without giving it too much thought. Who is your favorite poet, whether it's a Tamil poet or an Irish poet um, or a South African poet? Um, I might begin with you, Nao, your, your favorite poet and somebody you would recommend to our audience today. Okay. Um, South African poet, poet and writer that I would recommend is um, Sabata Mpomukai. Mm -hmm. And uh, my favorite, uh, and, and the former president, Habombeki, especially oh, yeah. in regards to social justice and, yeah. And uh, Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison, and Irish <laughs> writers, it's Fiona Olga and mm -hmm. Melatu Oche Okeri. So, wow. yeah. I could that's, not mention one. The last long list. <laughs> that's wonderful, Neil. And what about you, Thiru? What about who is your? If you could name just my, one. My uh, my best friend, and now he's missing in the last piece of war. Is Puduai mm. Durai. He's one of the genius poet and lyricists. And seventeen, he's surrounded, and many people show him in the battlefield field. Then after he is that time, he was sixty-five years old. Wow. Um, wonderful poet okay but uh, he's uh, you know uh, no we don't know where him about where about and also is pablo neruda so, okay. thank you tiru and jamalida i know you said earlier that english is not your favorite subject in school although i'm sure that your teacher must be very happy to have a poet in the classroom and uh, making such great great points about poetry and literature but from your experience so far jamalida reading who do you think is your favorite poet? Actually, uh, I didn't like uh, English in primary school. Ah. Uh, but now I like it in secondary school because of my teacher. Uh, the way he teaches it is uh, very, even if he talks normally, it sounds like he's reading stories. Very nice to listen to. And personally, uh, a favorite poet sounds biased, but it's my uncle, Heiko Monsoor. <laughs> so, I would definitely recommend his poems. They've definitely inspired me. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I will um, just thank you very much, Jamalida. Um, I know it is difficult to name just one person and I won't name one person either. I will name three for me, uh, three really great discoveries. And I look forward to reading their works in the years to come. Arneo, Gibson, um, Jamalida, Rafiq and uh, Thiru, who we've heard from today. I mean, three. I think three poets really to look out for and to watch out for. I think we have time for one um, very brief um, final question. Um, there are so many coming in here. And um, just to ask one question about um, the uh, platform for your work in Ireland within the Irish um, arts and cultural sector, whether in Cork or Carlow or Dublin, um, do you think that there are sufficient public places for you to read your work, to um, uh, bring your work out into the public? Because clearly today's event 
has shown that there's a lot of people out there who are really interested in knowing more about the work you're doing. Could perhaps begin with Neo on that one. Yeah, I, I would I would really say that I came to Ireland at, at a time where where things are a bit more relaxed or there's a lot of awareness and in, in terms of uh, inclusivity. And I, I would really say that I'm a benefactor of, of such platforms and even through the, the residency and, and through the Trinity Long Hub um, and, and also having the, the privilege also to be to be in, interviewed by you, Prof, and, uh, and hearing from the other poets as well. So the platforms are there and more are, are, are emerging for migrant writers. And for, and for that, I am I'm grateful. And even for those that pioneered the, the way for us to, to be working in it. Thank you, Neo. And um, Jamalida, would you have any final thoughts on this? Um, I think uh, Carlo College, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Visual Art uh, Centre in Carlo as well. And KCLR. Fantastic, fantastic. It's great to know that you have local and indeed now, you know, national and international um, 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 spaces to, to read your work. And Thiru, you also, what is your sense of the kind of platforms for poetry in Ireland? Yeah, because uh, in Ireland here, because uh, there's in Carlo, like uh, we have a writer's association. So great, great. Before COVID, we, you know, frequently, we are every side, you know, twice a week or twice a month, we have, you know, after that, you know. So otherwise, uh, you know, I'm just travel here and there and reading my poetry there. Okay. That's that's really great. Well, this brings us to the end of our um, roundtable lunchtime um, reading and discussion. I'm immensely grateful uh, to my colleagues in the Trinity Longroom Hub for asking me to be involved in today's event. It's it, it it has in fact been just wonderful to to meet you all. I hope we'll have an opportunity to meet and to hear your work in person at some point in the near future. I might just close with some, some lines from a poet I admire, the um, American poet, African-American poet, Amiri Baraka, who um, um, wrote a poem where he said, a political art, let it be tenderness, low strings the fingers touch or the width of autumn climbing wider avenues among the virtue and dignity of knowing what city you're in, who to talk to, what clothes, even what buttons to wear. I think um, Baraka suggests here that sometimes political poetry of the greatest power can in fact be musical, it can be tender, it can be evocative in these ways. And I think today we have seen this uh, very clearly in the wonderful poems that have been read by Jamalida, Neo and Thiru. This has been a wonderful event and I'm very grateful to everybody for attending. And of course, um, to you, our audience, also for coming along on this um, wet uh, uh, Thursday in February 2022. The Hub is a community. So, thank you very much. Book and print cultures, stamping provenance Languages towards the history of the Time Warrior Library. As well as being heard. The Hub is a space. Contemplating Ireland through the communities this created by Coral City. The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. The rise of